0: Welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. All right, well, I am here with my wife, Becca, and our oldest son, Connor. And uh, many of you have heard me talk about that uh, Connor was miraculously healed. And we're gonna tell that story here as we continue our series on healing. It's not just a story, it's a testimony of what God has done. And uh, before I get to them, I just wanna do a little bit of review and let you know that this is week uh, two of the series. It's the third message. We did one during Seek Week. I could talk on this week after week after week, and we still would have more to understand about healing And uh, I just want you to know that next week we're talking about communion. And all of our campuses will be receiving communion. But we're talking about why do we do communion. But today is healing. And I don't have time for a thorough review, but I just want to say one thing, um, one point of of review. God still heals. And healing is for today. Okay? It's for today. Uh, It's for the church. And we need to lean into this. Isaiah 53.5 says this, it's speaking of Jesus. It says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds, we are healed. Now, 1 Peter 2.24 references that in the New Testament as well, also about Jesus. It says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Now, some people say, well, that's just for salvation. It's not. I love that in Matthew chapter 8, okay, it it tells us basically that it's not just salvation, it's physical healing, and I'll read this in review. It says this, When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases." So this is for us. This is what was prophesied. This is what was paid for, and it's, it's for us. And I want you to know that many times our current realities cause us to question God's word. It caused, like, I'm not seeing it, I'm not living in it, and so I don't understand it, and so I'm gonna question that, and I'm praying that we won't live that way, but I wanna just confess in this testimony that that's how we were living, Okay, and so getting into our testimony, we're, we're embarrassed that some of the things we're going to share about, like, we let our, our reality that we're facing really kind of almost tweak our theology, our understanding of who God is, and that's a bad way to live. God's word is true no matter what your situation is. God's promises are true no matter how far in the distance they appear to be, they are true, okay and so we want to share our testimony and so Becca it's great to have you up here and Connor it's great to have you as well we're going to get to you in a minute all right because really the testimony starts with you being born and so Becca you just want to jump right in
1: Obviously, you know, having your first child, you're really excited. And um, we had been married for five years, and then Connor came along, and we were just overjoyed when he was born. And as he grew, um, you know, from a year and two years, um, we kind of started noticing some things, and we just thought he was really shy because he would never look at us in the eye. And- but even
0: before that, number, he slept only in a car seat. Yep. We'd lay him flat in the crib, and he wouldn't, like, sleep. But if we kept him buckled into the car seat, he would sleep. And how many of sleep deprivation made me put his car seat in In his crib? crib. You know.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, so he you literally
0: slept in his car seat in the crib.
1: Yeah, it was the only way we could get him to sleep. So as a new parent, you do what you need to do, right? So um, he slept in his car seat for way longer than he should have, but we didn't know. And then um, just just the things, he would, he would parrot back words to us, but he would never say um, his own words. And he wouldn't have eye contact. He didn't play well with other kids. Um, he would line everything up as a train. Everything, whether it was his food, his clothes, his toys, everything had to be lined up in a train. So we bought
0: him all the Thomas, the Tank yeah. Engine. We thought he loves trains. This, is so this cool. kid is like going to be an trains. engineer. I mean, like yeah. I, we didn't know, you know. But we didn't know. See, we were first parents. We didn't know.
1: Yep. And so um, by the time we moved back here to plant the church in 1995, um, your mom um, was watching Connor and she just knew something was not quite right. And she kind of mustered up the courage to tell us, like, hey guys, something's not quite right. You need to take Connor in and see what's going on. And so we, we didn't really know, but we brought him to the doctor, and the doctor said, we don't see anything wrong. And you know his mom. If you know his mom, she's very persistent. And She's we're, like, there's
0: something there. That's not normal behavior. You should yep. make eye contact. So we brought him to the special ed uh, with the school district, and we had him tested, and they sat us down. And they said, Connor is somewhere in the spectrum of autism. Mm-hmm. They, we said, we don't know exactly where. But that's why he doesn't make eye contact. That's why he, d- he only parrots. That's why he doesn't interact with other children. That's why he He's very, very sensitive
1: b- I mean, to light and sound. Oh, we'd go outside air. and he'd scream, bright, bright.
0: And he'd cover his eyes or music. And, you know, remember he would get locked in too sometimes. He'd just be he gone. He out, yeah. And I'd be like, Connor, come back here. Come back or wherever you went, you come back here. Mm-hmm. And, and he would just gone. Mm-hmm. And they said, he's somewhere in the spectrum. And we said, what do you mean? And they said, you know, he has autism, and we don't know. We'll test him further. He should join special ed, and and we and I was like, that probably means he's never moving out of the house. I, you know, all you these, have
1: all these things as just, a parent that, you know, some of the dreams that you already put on him, they were just kind of you just felt them kind of dying in your in your spirit, and it was it was a really hard time for us as first time parents to yeah. just realize that wow, our life is probably going to be, his life is going to be different. Our life is going to be different than what we had expected. And that was, that was a really, really hard time. People
0: ask, like, Connor, do you remember any of this? Like, do you, like, you were a little kid,
2: do you remember any of this? Yeah, no, I mean, like most people, when you're two, three, and four, I don't really remember any of that stuff. And so, to me, uh, it, it was just as surprising hearing about it from you guys as from myself.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's interesting the way it got revealed. Um, so we put him in special ed, and for two years we had him in special ed, and we were praying and praying and praying for healing. We believe in healing. And so we prayed. Every service we prayed. Every healing service. We even went to other churches to healing services. I bought every book on healing. I probably bought the handkerchief for healing on some <laughs> Christian show. I Heal was just in. like, if, there, if there's, if it's, you get desperate. And you're like, I want a miracle. I believe there's a miracle. And you just keep thinking, it has to happen now, and we want this to happen. And then we stopped. I don't know when we stopped praying for healing.
1: It was about, I think it was about two years in, and we just kind of got weary. And we were just kind of, like, in our spirits, I felt like we'd kind of given up and just like, well... This is just how it's going to be. And, you know, we we're
0: sad. But then we read this thing, uh, like a story, welcome to Holland. Mm-hmm. And it talked about like your whole life, you're planning to go to Italy and all your friends are going to Italy and then you get on the plane and then you land in Holland and they say you're in Holland. And you're like, no, we're supposed to go to Italy. And then that's what it's like when you have a child with special needs. You're like thinking it's going to be this way, but it's this way. Yeah. And then it said, but Holland is beautiful. Holland has windmills and tulips and this, and you can either be bitter that you're in Holland or you can enjoy Holland. And we wept like babies, and we're like, God, we will love you, welcome to Holland, and this is our life, and we're okay, and you're a good God, and a kind God, and a loving God, and we're never gonna get mad at you, we're gonna love you, and side note, we were going to Italy about five years ago, and we stopped in Holland on the way to Italy. No kidding. (laughs) And we were looking at the windmills that day, and all of a sudden it hit us, God's healing story of Connor, and we are weeping looking at the windmills. And the Dutch were like, we like them too. You know, I'm like, it's (laughs) it's way bigger than you're realizing. Okay? So we kind of gave up, but we said, God, you're a good God, a kind God, a loving God. And then one day we were having church, and a visiting pastor, Bill Papard, is his name, um... He was visiting and he just, at the end of service, he said, Is there anything we can pray for for you? And he just, we were in the loading dock of Falcon Ridge Middle School, like pushing the equipment in. We didn't even have a building. And I was about to say, We want more people to join our church and more tithe and offering. Like I was about, that's a good pastor prayer request, you know? And before I could say that, she blurted out,
1: I just said, Our son has autism and we want to see him healed. And I, I just blurted it out and I kind of surprised myself. I was kind of like, where did that come from? But it literally was just like this surge of faith that rose up in me and I just blurted it out, which is not really like me.
0: No, she won't even return a bad cup of coffee. And like, you know, and she's like, our son has autism and we want, and I was just like, pray for that. Like, that's way better, you know? So
1: Bill was like, okay, great, let's pray. And he just laid hands on Connor and he just said and a prayer. And then he prophesied. And yeah, and then he prophesied and he said, the Lord has heard your prayer and he's going to heal Connor for his glory. And we sat in that circle of prayer and it was just like this flood just came over us and it was so amazing. And in that moment, God miraculously healed Connor. Yeah, yeah.
0: miraculously. And, and I'll never forget the prophecy and he said he he literally he was getting a download from heaven, and he goes, the Lord has heard you say that he's a good God and a kind God, and to show you that he's a powerful God, he's going to heal your son for his glory. Like it's like he he Bill reiterate like said to me the prayers, and and then Connor who couldn't make eye contact all of a sudden looks up and he goes, where are we going? And he didn't parrot it to us. He just started talking, and we just started weeping. I mean the, I mean. And we wanted to rejoice with the church, but they were all gone. It was, like, just us, you know, in the loading dock. So we go to school the next day yep. to special ed. We bring him in to teacher Pam.
1: Teacher Pam was amazing. She came and worked at our house with him and at school with him. And, and she was just an incredible she's teacher. Like, what
0: happened to Connor? And we said he was miraculously healed in church yesterday. She couldn't believe it. She's over, overjoyed. Like, this is incredible. Goes and gets her boss, and her boss comes back. And she goes, test this child. And so she tests. She goes, what am I looking for? And, and, and she said, he has autism. She goes, he doesn't have autism. He, and she goes, no, he's been in special ed. He was healed in church yesterday. And, and the boss goes, I don't believe that. And she looks at me and she goes, how dare you bring a perfectly normal child to special ed and rip off the state for the last two years? And then I said, yeah, it's every parent's dream to rip off special ed. <laughs> I said, God healed our son and he gets the glory. So okay, now Connor, now it's your turn. All right. So this has happened and, and Connor one day is watching a show, and just why don't you take it from there?
2: Yeah, so I was just hanging out at the house watching a show, and the premise was there was an older brother who had autism and a younger brother who did not. And the older brother wandered off and had and I was just watching the show and something came over me and I said, Mom, Dad, we need to do more for people with special needs at our church. And then they both broke, just started weeping and crying. And I was like, oh, I must have said something wrong. Like, I don't know what button I pushed, but I just went up to my room and went to bed. And they they opened the door, they came in, and and they explained the whole story to me about how I was miraculously healed and how that was probably going to be our life and just the parallels to that. And so it was an incredible God moment to be like, oh, my gosh, I didn't even know that God had healed me, but for me it just unlocked of the confirmation. How could I do anything less than what God has called me to do, and how can I do anything less than to live out His perfect plan for my life?
0: So, I, we're sitting there with that as our family knowledge, and we hadn't shared it as a sermon or put in a book or anything. And by the way, um, if anybody is like, I just want to stop for a second. Anybody that's watching um, at MA campuses, if you're believing for a miracle or you know somebody's struggling, let's believe it for a miracle. I, we wrote the story of this in this book. It's on page 206 in the chapter, Big Boom, and it's a gift. We, there's no strings attached. If anybody's believing for a healing or as a friend you know that would be ministered to, you can get it at all the campuses next week, and you, it's, it's just a gift from the church for you. Um, but we were in Australia, and we were, I was going to preach at this church the next morning, and I had my family with me. And we shared this story with Michael and Valerie Murphy, and they said, "You have to preach on Connor's healing tomorrow." I'd never preach. We—it's just like we kept the miracle to ourselves, and I don't know why we do that. Like we we celebrated, but then we kept it to ourselves.
1: Well, at I, that time, Connor was 16, and maybe and we were so, protecting. Yeah, we were I like, don't know. You know we want to, we want him to be on board with it too. We don't want to, you know, say something that might feel embarrassing or whatever. So So
0: I said, if Connor signs off on it, we could preach. And so then we asked you, can I preach on this tomorrow? And what'd you
2: say? Yeah, I just reminded him of the prophecy that was spoken, which was God's going to heal your son for his glory. And I said, how can God receive the glory if you don't tell people about it? So
0: yeah. And so that started us preaching that. I've put it in the book. And then even with this healing today, now, we wanted you to hear that, and now Connor is on staff. He's over all of our discipleship, our small groups, our serving, all that, okay, and, and he's married, and I, we're just so proud. And
1: expecting a baby. And his
0: wife is expecting, <laughs> and you know, I mean, praise God. <laughs> and so we just, we wanted you to hear that and let faith rise up, yeah. and I wanted to explain that to you, and I want to teach some more on that, but I wanted you to hear it from them, and to see them. And and we even found the documentation the other day when we were moving. We found all the special ed. We saved it all. And we have this documented. And because I had one guy come up and argue, is that even documented? It's documented. He was there. God miraculously healed him. And uh, thank you so much for sharing this. I'm going to teach some more. But can we show our appreciation for them? And give God glory. What a joy, what a change. Now, I want to jump into this now and share that healing is a mystery. Like, it didn't happen on day one, and for us, it happened in year two and a half, but other people, you're like, no, I've been praying 37 years. I think about the man at the pool of Bethesda in John chapter five, 38 years. He's waiting by the poolside, and then one day, one day, and and. I I, kind of want you to understand we're praying in faith, believing for healing, but I don't know when the one day is, okay? I don't know when that is, but I'm gonna believe for you for the one day, all right? And I wanna teach on this and how it works and what I've seen because as I've shared, my dad's back was healed one time, but yet we prayed for him to be healed of cancer and that didn't happen on this earth, but in heaven, he doesn't have cancer. He's in the presence of God. I'll tell you the mystery even more. Bill Papard, who prayed, for Connor and has a prophetic word, and Connor is miraculously healed. He has a granddaughter with autism that we have prayed for a thousand times, and she still has not been healed of autism, but we still thank God for JoJo, and we praise God, and she's glorifying God, and they're not bitter at God, but we just live in this mystery of like, how in the world And God, Bill prayed, and and one time, yes, and now we don't understand this. It's just so interesting and I don't even think, like people say, well, if you had more faith, well, sometimes faith is a part of it. Like the the Samaritan woman that was talking with Jesus in Matthew five, like Jesus saying, no, it's not time for the Samaritans to be healed. You know, it's I've come for the house of Israel, like not for you guys yet. And she's like, hey, even the dogs get some crumbs. And Jesus is like, I love your faith. Like here's an early release of a miracle. So she had faith that got her, her miracle. But going back to the man at the pool of Bethesda in John chapter five, I don't have time to read the story, but this guy's sitting by the pool for 38 years waiting to be healed. And Jesus says, do you want to be healed? And he goes, well, I don't have anybody to throw me in the water when the water bubbles. And so I can't get in. He doesn't even answer the question right. It's a yes or no question. And he goes into an excuse. Then Jesus heals him. And then in John chapter five, later on in verse 13, it's, it's so, I have to read it. It says, the man who was healed had no idea who it was for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. So when people say, well, if you had more faith, you get healed. I can't see that in the Bible. The man at the pool of Bethesda, they're like, who healed you? I don't know. He asked me if I wanted to be healed. I made an excuse, and then he healed me. I don't even know who he is. I don't know where he is. And you think about it, like Jesus goes by the pool of Bethesda And there had to be somebody there that was going, I think that's Jesus. I think that's him. It has to be. I think that's him. You know, and he doesn't heal them. He heals the guy who doesn't even know who he is. I don't understand what God does, but I know that it's available. And I know that that it's for us today. And I know this, like whenever we minister to people that are believing for healing, they're like, they feel this. And I just want to set you free. Like most people didn't do anything wrong. There's no condemnation. Like, I can tell you this, Beck and I wrestled like, well, I wonder whose genes it was. And I wonder what, and it was probably my fault and I should have eaten healthier and I should have worked out or maybe genetically we shouldn't have had kids. And, And you just, you attack yourself and you just stop and silence those lies. You didn't do anything wrong. The world's just broken. That's what Romans says, Okay. And you can love your child or your situation and say, God, I will glorify you in this. You're a kind God, a loving God, a good God. And no matter what happens, I'm gonna continue to love you. But again, sometimes it's faith that does it. That the woman that with the issue of blood, like she goes and touches the hem of his garment, of Jesus' garment. You gotta understand the faith that was involved. And in Malachi chapter four, verse two, this is the verse she believed. It says, but for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. Okay, it was a prophecy by Malachi saying that God will, the Messiah will arise with healing in his wings. What does that mean? The prayer shawl, I don't have time to teach this all, but the prayer shawl had little wings that were on it. It was called the tzitzit. And these little wings that were there, they were little things that would hang off the prayer shawl and people believed whoever the Messiah was, his prayer shawl with those little wings would have healing in them and if you could touch the prayer shawl wing, you'd be healed. So the woman with the issue of blood is believing, I think he's the one and if I can touch the wing of his prayer shawl, I'm gonna be healed and her faith, does something to the point that Jesus felt something come out of him and he goes, who touched me? And they're like, a bunch of people are touching you. He's like, no, somebody touched me believing the prophecy. So sometimes it's faith, sometimes it's just the miraculous sovereignty of God that happens again, but we're gonna lean into this and I don't have it all figured out but, and, and I don't even have time to read all of Hebrews chapter 11, but Hebrews chapter 11 talks about like all the people that we have all the great Bible stories about. You know, it talks about Abraham and Moses and Noah and Sarah and Rahab, all the great phantograph stories of the Bible that you learn in Sunday school. But then in verse 36, it says, some faced years and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So he's saying like, some got their miracle here and some got it in heaven. Some got to be an amazing story of inspiration of faith in, in in like getting the answer and other people got to be an amazing inspiration of faith by the way they lived, even in the midst of their adversity and even in the way they died, they glorified God. So I don't understand this, but I know that it's available for us today. It's for us today and we live in the already not yet. What do I mean by that? It's we're already healed, but we've not yet seen it move into our now. And I know you say like, I don't get that. I don't understand it. I'm gonna illustrate it with something that, or not illustrate it, I'm gonna teach it with something that Paul writes in Romans. Now, follow me. In Romans 8:15, Paul is writing, and it seems like he contradicts himself. In verse 15, he says, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. He says, you have been forgiven, and you've received sonship, you've been adopted in, verse 15. Eight verses later, it's like he forgot what he just wrote, but he didn't. He says this, he says, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship. He just said we were, but now he says we're waiting for it. The redemption of our bodies, For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? So he says, when you say yes to God, you are adopted in, and God's righteousness has been given to you, and you are saved, you are forgiven. But from now until you're in his presence in heaven, until you're in there, you're groaning, and you're working out your salvation. And Paul's saying, you've got it, but you're gonna get like, all the things that have been plaguing you and all the things that have been troubling you and all the things that have been harassing you while you're saved, all that's gone and you're gonna get in his presence. And so it's like, I'm already saved, but I've, all the struggle, it, you see what I'm saying? And Paul's like, I, it's coming. In this life, we're looking forward to the ultimate fulfillment of all of his promises in eternity. All right, now we understand that with salvation, so let me talk to you about healing. I had our team make up this chart, and I want to go ahead and have it up on the screen behind me, and I want you to see this. I want you to understand, when we pray for healing, this is very important about understanding for our healing, by his stripes we are healed. That's what Isaiah 53, 5 says, and 1 Peter two twenty four. By his stripes. It was paid for on the cross. Our healing was part of that. We, our sins were forgiven, but our healing was paid for on the cross. Now go to the other side. It's waiting for us in heaven. Revelation talks about there'll be no more pain, no more tears, no more suffering. Those things will be made right. So it was paid for on the cross and it's waiting for us in heaven. And so I, I had him do a this solid line, this heavy line representing when you go from your now living on this earth into his presence in heaven. Does that make sense? You're going into his presence, all right? And so someday what was paid for on the cross for your healing, you, everyone will get it that knows him as Lord and Savior. You will be healed in heaven. You'll be taken care of. You'll be, you'll be made uh, right. All these, you understand? All, you'll be healed and whole. Somebody like man I've I've suffered with this disease I've suffered with this thing or somebody we know loves that we love so well dies of something like that's not going to be on them in heaven it's waiting What we're doing when we're praying for healing is we're just asking for God to early release what's already been paid for and what's waiting for us in heaven. Is this making sense? We're just asking for an early release. Now we don't control the early release, okay? Let me give you a couple of illustrations and illustrations always fall short, but like at Christmas, okay, when I was a kid at Christmas, How many were like me and you begged your parents? Like, come on, just let me open one early. Just one early, just one early, just one early. Come on, one early, one early, one early. And you beg them and you beg them and you beg them. And then finally, like on Christmas Eve, they let you open one early. And what is it? Socks and underwear All right, you know, like, and it's like, you know, that's, you're like, all right, but at least I got that one out of the way. We'll get the good stuff tomorrow. Yeah, okay. They let, it was an early release. That was slated for tomorrow. But just because they're good parents, they early release. Okay, that's one illustration. But let me share another one that, um, because we're just asking for what's already been paid for, what's waiting in heaven to jump the line into our now. And that's why it's called a miracle. It's called a miracle. Okay, so another illustration. Again, this breaks down, and I know that whatever you're battling is not equivalent of ice cream. Okay, I understand that. It's an illustration. And I've had people get mad at me. I'm just trying to help connect the dots here, okay? Okay. Because I know what you're going through and you're like, I know the Bible says this light and momentary affliction works a far greater good. And you're like, but it doesn't feel like light and momentary affliction when it's my thing and when it's hitting me and when it occupies 15 hours of my day or I need special help. I, I I understand that. And and this world is broken, but God has all of eternity to make it up to us and he promises us. It, it ends with wholeness. Okay? And in this Short life we live on this earth, it's a vapor. All of eternity, he has to make it right. But I illustrate this on how we should pray and how we should love God. And, and let me say, side note, um, I've had a few people even with autism say like, um, what if I don't want to be healed? Like I, we were preaching and sharing Connor's story and they said, what if I don't want to be healed? It was an autistic guy. He said, I, I, I'm not sure I want to be healed. And he goes, I, can't, I, I like the way I see the world. And I was like, all right. I'll just pray, you know, like whatever God's will is. Let's just pray for that, all right? Because his mom was like, we want to see him healed. And he's like, I kind of like, like the way I see the world. And I, and I just said, well, we'll pray for God's will. And I said, here's the deal, though. When you get to heaven, heaven's going to blow your mind. Like it's going to be real. Like it's going to blow your mind. All right. So, all right. Now, let me share the ice cream thing. Um, when our kids were little, they would do this. And they'd say, dad, you're probably not going to do this. And I'd say, what am I not going to do? And they go, yeah, you're probably not going to do it. And I'm like, well, what am I not going to do? And, and, and I'm getting offended. Like, what do you mean I'm not going to do this? Like, I'm a good dad. Of course, I, like, I want to do this. What is it you want me to do? And they said, well, you're probably not going to buy us ice cream. We thought ice cream would be amazing today, but you're probably not going to do it. And I said, okay, from now on, never ask me for ice cream like that ever again. Here's how you're going to ask me for ice cream. Dad, you are the best dad on planet Earth. We were talking together and we thought you are the best dad. We'd want no other dad but you. And we thought because you're such an amazing dad, today would be an amazing day for ice cream because you love us so much, we'd love to get some ice cream. That's how you're going to ask. How many of you got a lot more ice cream that way, right? So again, understanding your pain, your disease, your suffering is not ice cream, but please stay with me. We go to God like this. God, you're probably not gonna heal me. Probably not. I mean, you're probably not. But I'll pray anyways. But you're probably not. I feel like we're offending God. Okay? I feel like we should go to him like during praise and worship. During praise and worship. And at the at the risk of, of a little out of control, like literally, like I just wanna just... If you are even during worship and you just feel like, like, God's moving in a special way, and you want to go out and worship towards the altar area, I'm just, you want to come and kneel. I'm not get like, I just am telling you like, there are moments there are just that surge or that moment. We're just gonna let that be with, like, I think we can handle that. I think we can pastor that. All right, but there are just moments where during worship you're just like during worship today. I just felt like, man, there were a couple times during the song like oh, faith was rising up, and I just, so if you wanna comment, maybe, I saw people kneeling, whatever you're feeling, all right, but we're like, God, you're a good God, and today would be a great day for ice cream. You're an amazing God. While we're praising and worshiping God, wouldn't that be a great time to ask for healing? Wouldn't that be a great time to ask for your miracle? You're like, you're a good God, you're an amazing God, and you're so good, and you've already given me salvation. How much more could I ask for? But you paid for it already, and, I, and, it, and I, if it's already paid for and it's waiting, I'd love to have it early released into my now. And wouldn't today be a great day for ice cream, God? And after all, like, couldn't you just release it? And sometimes he does. Now, sometimes I bought my kids ice cream because I am a good dad, right, you know? Okay, but because I'm a good dad and I understand the bigger picture, sometimes I say, not now, it's 4.30. And your mom has something waiting for us. And so right now, the most important thing is for you to actually get your chicken and your broccoli and the potatoes and the salad and the things you need to grow up to be young men that will grow up. Like, so we're going to spoil your dinner with ice cream. And they'd be like, oh, dad, I thought you were a good dad. Good. Now, what they didn't know is I was getting them ice cream at 7.30, but not at 4.30, because I'm a good dad. And I know what nutrients they need, and I know what they needed to grow up with, and I knew what was more important than ice cream now. And you say, I can't even fathom that that anything could be more important than my healing. And I we're here to glorify God and we're here to love God. And maybe you in your condition, you're glorifying God, and God's more worried about you looking like him and being holy and being formed in his image because he knows you're gonna be healed in heaven. He knows every single person gets it. Sorry, heaven. He knows you're gonna get it in heaven. Every single person is gonna get it in heaven that he paid for on the cross and you're gonna get every single person. So he's more like, I want you to be holy on this earth. I want you to be formed in my image. There's people I want you to reach. There's things I want you to do. And by the way, ice cream's coming at 7.30 and it's coming at 7.30 for everybody. The ice cream truck is coming and everybody gets something and don't worry about right now. So we live in this moment now knowing what's there and then he early releases some things on us. That's the God we serve. So we have to trust him in his wisdom. But don't let that defeat you. You're like, well, then I'm not. I mean, I'm going to tell you, my kids got more ice cream by asking and being positive and going after it, and we can get more. And I just believe that how much better, the Bible says, how much better is God the Father than us? If we know how to give good gifts, how much more does God know how to give the Holy Spirit? How much more is God so generous and so kind and so amazing? So we want to lead into that. And and if it doesn't jump into our now, you're one day closer to your miracle. And I don't think God ever tires of every day. You waking up, today would be a great day for a miracle, God. Today would be a great day. I'm going to love you and serve you with my whole heart. But if you heal me, I'm going to run around this room and do laps, and I'm going to go crazy. But today is a great day to serve you and to love you, and I'd love to see an early release. And I ask you once again, that's why I say, let's pray a thousand prayers. Let's pray a thousand and one. Let's pray 10,000 prayers. Let's just keep praying. And let's keep loving God all the way until we get to that day. And let's thank him for every miracle and every early release that happens in our life. So Lord, I just pray for that. Today would be a great day for a miracle. So I pray for all of the people in our church, that today would be a great day for a miracle, that faith would rise up. Maybe today's their one day. Maybe it's not gonna happen at the front of the altar. Maybe it's gonna happen out in the lobby. Maybe it's gonna happen in the parking lot. Maybe it's gonna happen at the restaurant. Maybe it's gonna happen at their school. I don't know where it is, but God, I pray that we'd lean into what you've already paid for and what's waiting for us in heaven, that we'd lean into the miraculous, we'd lean into what's available, we'd pray, we'd believe, we'd celebrate, we'd align more of our life. You even told us to pray that it be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, in heaven, there's healing. And so on earth, could it line up with what's waiting for us in heaven? Could you, because your will is for that healing. And so we no longer say, if it's your will, Lord, we say, according to your will. We don't control the time, but we pray according to your will. So we celebrate and thank you for what you've already done, and we look forward to how good you are. We will love you until the day our miracle comes to us, or we go to it, and we say, God, let us live in what you've paid for and what's waiting for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.